Welcome to Education Talks, I'm David Burke. Audrey Pantelis is the Director of Elevation Coaching and Consulting. Her career in education as teacher, middle leader, senior leader and head of school in both mainstream and special educational needs spans over 30 years. Audrey is an accredited Resilient Leaders Elements Leadership Coach and See Me Colour Profiling Accreditor. She also works with schools and organisations in developing and implementing positive, systemic changes with regards to racial diversity and inclusive practices. Well, Audrey, welcome to Education Talks. Thanks so much for joining us. Where, where are you at the moment? Right. Well, thank you very much, David. And hello. Um, I am in London. Well, just outside London, a place called Watford in Hertfordshire. So I'm about 15, 16 miles away from London. Yeah, that's where I am today. Oh, that's great. Uh, I'm right now in Kota Kinabalu, just getting ready for when this goes to air. It will be a week after the uh, big EACOS conference and looking forward cool. to that. Um, so thanks very much for uh, for being here on Education Talks. It's a real pleasure to have you. Um, now, Audrey, you worked as a teacher, uh, mm-hmm. a middle leader, a senior leader, uh, head of school, and in both mainstream and special education needs. That's right. Um, yes. So you made the move uh, from mainstream. Um, mm-hmm. When was this and, and what inspired the change? Okay, so uh, we're going back a few years. 2008 uh, is when I made the change. Um couple of things probably influenced my change um the first one is and I have to say this is a bit of a theme in my life forward slash career um is that I tend to jump into the next thing without overly thinking about it which in one respect sounds really kind of like yeah that's really great and another aspect is you idiot so (laughs) so there's a bit of both going on there so there was an element of that going on but I think because I know now I'm driven by values, that was probably the biggest thing. And what I was finding in mainstream was that I, while I loved working with children and and, and loved all the stuff around it with regards to the pastoral needs and stuff, I was struggling with the fact that in secondary education, mainstream education in the UK, everything was driven a lot by standards and exam results and outcomes. And while, of course, we mustn't shy away from that because that's what we all need, want, desire, it was taking up an an inordinate amount of my time um, in just trying to get kids through effectively hoops, trying to get them to the next level, to the next level, to the next level. Um, I felt we were missing a piece. We were missing a piece about the the, the child, about character, about, um, I suppose, emotions, about, about the the holistic viewpoint of a person and that they weren't just all about exam results. Um, And also young people at the time, you know, and I guess it's, it's, it's universal. You've got young people who developmentally at an age where they're trying to discover themselves and they're trying to work out what they're doing. And we're trying to make them fit into this kind of pigeonhole. And I just struggled with all of that. And, um, but I did, I, I can articulate it beautifully now, but then I couldn't, it was just a gut feeling of, Mm-hmm. No, this doesn't sit right with me. I'm not too sure why it is. The exam bit I could talk about, definitely, but I didn't know what was actually driving that. And now I recognise that. So that's what made it happen, um, along with those elements that I said at the very beginning of the conversation, which was a little bit of, yeah, get out. And the third part, actually, um, was actually, I was, I think, age-wise, I was heading towards my 40th birthday, and um, you can call it a midlife crisis, you can call it whatever you want to call it, but definitely there was a, a another driver of what else can you do, 
what else is there for you to do, Audrey? What can you offer the world? So I think all of those things combined kind of led to that uh, particular decision that I made. Interesting. Um, now I want to take you right back to the beginning of your career okay. and ask you a question that I ask some people, and I always think it's quite interesting to, to go right back to the beginning and ask, yeah. you know, why, did you, why did you decide to become a teacher? What was it that uh, made you that want made to pursue it? Yeah, <laughs> really interesting. Um, I didn't intend to be a teacher at all. It wasn't really on my radar that it was a career choice. Um, and I ended up doing my degree um, at a, actually what I didn't realise actually was a, a main teacher training college. It offered other degrees as well as the main teacher training stuff. So um, when I got there and realised that a lot of my friends were doing teach were trained to be primary school teachers i thought oh that's nice and and i was not dismissive but i but i in the way i've just said it that's nice for you that's good and i and it just kind of carried on no inclination at all um and then um through my interestingly i suppose when i think about some of the links i was working um i was working in the student union and i used to help um I remember I set up a play scheme. I set up a, a, a play scheme for mature students who had children who during half term, sometimes it was problematic for them. Now I realise, I look back and think, God, that was a really decent thing to do. But at the time I was a little bit dismissive and just thought, oh, let me just offer a service. So we ran it and we ran it for a week. It killed me, um, but I loved it. And at that point, I still didn't consider that teaching was a thing for me, still not. Mm -hmm. And then finished my degree and then thinking, what am I going to do? Saw a job and they were looking for an assistant. So I thought an assistant was just an assistant. Someone would hand things out or assist. But didn't really think that assistant meant um, an assistant teacher or somebody in the classroom. It turned out to be that. And I ended up doing this job. I was an unqualified teacher and I did it for a year. And I genuinely thought I'll do it for a year and then I'll go and get myself a proper job because I didn't consider that it was a career choice at all. And that is how I ended up in teaching. Um, and within a, probably within about three or four weeks, I thought, I quite like this. I know this is hard work, but I like it and I'm quite comfortable. And so at that point I thought, okay, I to need to start thinking about if I'm gonna do this, I need to get qualified. And my head of department said to me, you could be a head of department one day. And I thought, oh, Oh, okay. So then that's what led to me staying in teaching. But yeah, that was the origins of it. Not my intention at all. Not at all. It, it is interesting. Um, I think I was a little bit similar in that there are two types of people. There are people like us who perhaps didn't intend to end up in education, but sort yeah. of more or less discover it and are drawn to it. And there are people yeah. who are just born teachers who want to be teachers, but that's the it. consistency yeah. <laughs> is the shared values, though. We all, have, yeah. we all have those same shared values for students. Very interesting. Um, now, you're now Director of uh, Elevation Coaching Consulting. I am, uh, yes. Your own company. Um, what was it that then sparked the move to leave schools and, and set out on your own? Well, you're going to get the theme, <laughs> this running theme, this golden thread. Uh, so again, a similar thing of 
had got the score start this is a it was a brand new free school uh so in the uk these i guess the equivalent is like a u.s charter school that kind of same vibe so effectively people get together and and um uh put a, a proposal forward to the government yeah we can set up a school we can do this this and this so once the school had been set up um and i was appointed as the founding head um basically it, it was literally you know just a piece of paper so we were given that and we're told right create your school so i had an integral part um in, in in the creation of the school and its ethos and its values missions um and stuff and, and recruited staff so we kept, went from nothing to an oversubscribed school then it went through its first inspection and that was bumpy i mean it was very hard it wasn't wasn't easy at all uh, and and challenged me uh and um and what i thought leadership was um but it was it, the best experience because in a way i'm kind of feeding off that now uh, as i coach and support others so when that had happened basically got to the point where i thought well well i've, I've done this now so i can either now just stay here for the rest of my life um mm -hmm. or i can do something else the doing something else did worry me so i actually went into the well stay here for the rest of my life this will be fine mm -hmm. <laughs> uh but again that whole itchy feeling and hang on a minute there could be more and so that and this time now i'm 50 so <laughs> so we've moved on a little bit 51 actually so um if you're doing your maths correctly so yeah i was 51 and i was thinking to myself okay so all of those options were kind of starting to make me think actually this is my last probably hardcore bit of time to be able to you know move around easily freely um, have the opportunities to do different things. And I just thought, well, I've been gifted and, and um, you know, um, with the chance of, to be able to run a school and I've done it. So I mm. thought, yeah, time to jump out. So I jumped out. No job. What, what's out. the level of satisfaction around, um, you know, founding a, uh, founding a new school? That must be quite exceptional oh, in itself. It's 100%, David. I mean, I think... Mm. The, the reality of that, I, and again, in, in classic Audrey fashion, doing these things and then afterwards going, oh, yeah, actually, that was, that was quite good. <laughs> or that was quite, that was quite innovative. Yeah. How many times do you open a new school? I mean, I, and, and it's interesting because actually when I, before I kind of put myself and immerse myself into elevation coaching, um, I did... I did think to myself, maybe I should have another go at maybe being a head in a school that's already established. Because mm -hmm. I, there was, there was, I, I was mindful of the fact that I'd had such a wonderful and unique setup. So I thought, okay, let's let's go for you know going for another school. So I did actually for a short time um, because I did do some leadership interim work before um, I started my own company. And no, it wasn't the same. It wasn't the same. Yeah. Um, and and my, my my contract was actually it was it was an interim piece of work that potentially could have turned permanent. And um, when I had the opportunity to go permanent, I said, no, I'm okay. And I left. And then that's when I thought, right, do your own thing. Yes. Yeah. yeah the timing was right. Um, yeah. I guess I wonder how would you say your experience as a school leader helps you to be more effective in supporting schools today as an external um, actor in school? Yeah. Um, another good question. I think what, what what is interesting and what I have found is because I suppose I speak head speak. Um, I've sat in their chair, so I know those pressures. 
and while it's an amazing job it's equally really hard and it's equally quite lonely sometimes because there are decisions that you just have to make and that you will have to shoulder so um while you are always going to have that support network always because you do you have your you know your executive head or your chair of governors or whoever it is that is kind of line managing you they, they will always be a support but um when I'm going into schools, because I recognise all of that, I I, I I will think the way that they are thinking. So I will think in that strategic piece. I will also think about the value for money piece, but I'll also think about what the, those outcomes need to be for a range of stakeholders. So often um, uh, ahead will be will always be thinking about because that's how we do it. We're always thinking about the different people that need to be served. So I think there's a, there's an element of that going on. So, yeah, I think that definitely I go in knowing what they need uh, and I go in thinking okay I know how you might be thinking about now so I know at this time of year in the UK um, we're starting to think about September uh, the new academic year and you're also thinking about recruitment you're thinking about okay um, what was my school development plan looking like have I achieved those particular things how can I you know manage lots of different things so i know the cycle of ahead and what they're thinking about and i was talking to one yesterday and we were talking about in fact i said i guess you're thinking about x y and z she went yes that's right <laughs> so it's like i'm psychic but i'm not really i've just, just done the job that's all so it's a very good fit for for schools particularly yeah. school leaders looking for that support um yeah. now the areas that you are working with schools um am i right uh, dij and leadership in particular is that right? Yes, yes, yes. And it's interesting because they are kind of separate, but they're the same. Mm. And I and, and, and actually, I say the same, they're integrated rather than being the same. So um, effectively, a different perspectives of what I think is school improvement, full stop. Mm. Um, because ultimately, if you work with people, then you are always going to be thinking about obviously improvement, but you're also going to be thinking about that diversity, that equity and the inclusion piece. And very much in the UK, we talk about, while well, Jay, in, in, as in the justice part of DEI, is, is, is very much prevalent, um, it's now almost become an inherent part of, of, of the work that is done in the space. And it's now very much leaning into the sense of belonging. So while inclusion is one part of it, that sense of belonging um, is, is really important because if people do not feel psychologically safe within your organization, they're going to go. You're not going to get that diversity. You're not going to get that equity because people will always just think, well, actually, I don't quite fit here. Um, uh, there's too much of one thing and not another. Um, and of course, we all have a psychological kind of need to belong, be it mm -hmm. tribe, be it family, be it um, club, whatever it is, we, we want that sense. Um, sorry, I thought my dog would be nice and quiet this <laughs> morning. <laughs> <laughs> um, he should stop in a minute, I apologise. Um, <laughs> somebody must be walking past. But fundamentally, yeah, it's, it's, it's just about that, really. It's more to do with, um, yeah, that, that, that sense of, of, of safety and, and feeling safe. So um, that's kind of the... Um, the driver i guess with regards to belonging and that's now become a really key part of dei work um and developing that belonging so audrey um what what is the difference between a school that really addresses this belonging um a school that does it well um and where can schools get it right 
What makes the difference? Gosh. Okay. So, um, I guess this is to a certain extent. I, I, I will say that I haven't necessarily seen a school that has got it completely 100% mm. right. And I wonder if there is such a thing um, in that I, I reckon that there is probably schools that do have elements of it that, that they're doing amazingly well. So, you know, let me lean into that and, and, and maybe think about the ways in which, you know, that there are ways in which we can kind of improve. So the way I'm seeing great practice with the sense of belonging is that that genuine appreciation of, of, of cultural differences, of, of, of ethnicities, of um, uh, that real diversity of thought. And I think thinking probably the diversity of thought piece is probably the bit where schools probably, I think that's probably our, one of our weakest areas in schools because we love consensus, we love compliance. Mm -hmm. um, and we often think if there's a good sense of belonging is, is, is everybody agrees with everybody and that there is no conflict uh, and that you know the reason why people get jobs in certain schools is because they um, either they, they look like or they act like or they aspire to be like um, the majority that are within the school and so often in recruitment situations well that's what we're looking for we're not looking for the differences we're looking for the similarities so that sense of belonging where you you can be in a space and you can bring um, your authentic self and that you are not penalized for that and that you're also not penalized for being that person that speaks out and, and one of the things definitely i know i learned when as a, as a head was that recognizing that opposition isn't always kind of you know um a thing to fear sometimes it's actually it's it's, it's desirable because it, it then means actually you're getting that full breadth and that full perspective so i think where are you see schools doing that really well where they accept that that's great um schools struggle because they struggle with, with some of the things i said earlier uh, because they want the compliance etc um what they'll tend to do is um, it, you know it happens uh, and i think it's a, again a universal thing people will get pushed out or they um it's made very clear that this isn't necessarily a place for them to be at. Um, so where you see it done well, you don't get that behaviours and you get that that, that real breadth. Um, and where can where can we where can we kind of improve on that? I think um, schools thinking about it from a really a, a, a more broader perspective rather than thinking, okay, we have to have um, a, di a diverse co staff cohort. So you know. Not that it's box ticking or quota filling, but the idea that, you know, you have a range of ethnicities, a range of cultures will mean that actually there's a real sense of belonging. No, not necessarily. Sometimes there are people um, who work within schools, um, you know, professionals who may have different diversity traits that they don't necessarily want to celebrate. They don't necessarily want to be, you know, the bunting comes out and the trumpets come out every time they do something um, because of their protected characteristic or their diversity trait. It might simply just be that your organisation is one where it welcomes that difference and it's okay just to be different within that space without feeling the need to declare it um, because sometimes that's also a thing as well some people feel that they have to do that or if they don't do it that it makes them look odd and it, and it shouldn't be like that so yeah I think those, those are my thoughts on 
where I'm seeing good practice and um, and it's an evolving thing. It's 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 it's, it's not anything that happens straight away. Um, so yeah, once you're aware of it, I think as a leader, then you start to look at the different aspects and the and the ways in which you can address it. And certain schools would look at different things first. So yeah, it just depends on the context, I guess. So I guess this then relates to my next question, which is one that I do ask sometimes, which is what is it that makes a good leader? I think part of that, part of it is is um, a sense of, um, in fact, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to, I'm going to use the four pillars of the coaching framework that I, uh, that I use as a leadership coach. Uh, so I use the framework um, that's from uh, resilient leaders elements. And um, it's the idea of using resilience, which of course is a buzzword. And of course we've been using it for, especially in the last two to three years, we were talking about resilience and digging deep, but it's a bit more than that. Um, and the four pillars, which I think make a good leader and a leader can be anyone but obviously we're talking about it from schools um is the idea that you have um clarity of direction that you are um aware a good sense of awareness that you are able to make resilient decisions so a resilient decision maker and that you also have leadership presence and those four things i think create a, a, a magical leader um, and of course there'll be certain aspects of those with that, that, we, that will be really spot on and will be really ahead in the game on um, and there's certain things that were you know the areas of challenge and I think that's where the resilience piece comes in because what we're doing is leaning in onto the areas that we are strong in to help us manage Manage the areas that we're not so strong in and also of course recognizing that um, when we are in those in, in that continuum um, and sometimes we have it where um, we're, we're feeling really good and we're really chipper and everything's good and then suddenly we can get into chaos and crisis um, that happens to us all it's about the idea about how do we go from one to the other and that's where the resilience comes in and how do we get ourselves back because sometimes we can go from um, being you know in a lovely state of equilibrium and then get into crisis and then chaos and then we can't get back and then we just stay there and it might take us a long time or we might end up medicating ourselves self-medicating you know an extra glass of wine or too many biscuits or whatever it is um so it's about how we manage that and that and all of those four different elements really help us to kind of um number one help get that balance is that helps to be a, a good resilient leader and then it also helps us to um i think then when you're starting to think about all the different aspects around that that helps us to um recognize that we don't we're not leaders on our own it's not in isolation you, you're a leader as part of a team um and recognizing that your team help you become that leader as well because sometimes if we're a leader especially when you first start you think you've got to do it all yourself mm -hmm. And actually, you don't. Um, but you do think that, and so you kind of, um, without meaning to be rude, you know, you can kind of think, right, I'm going to put on my cape of leadership, and I'm going to go and boldly step where no one, because I can do it. I've got all the answers. When actually, the real strength of a good leader is that you go to the right place to get the answers that you need, if they're yeah. not necessarily from you. You are always going to be part of the solution. You hope, but sometimes you're not. And it's okay that you're not. Um, but going somewhere else to get the help, that's that's the sign of a good leader as well. 
And I guess that goes back to support your point about the um, importance of people being able to express themselves and and that enables people to contribute. Yeah. But that also enables a leader to be able to identify um, yeah. the, the strengths and skills within a school for those Definitely. people that they can turn yeah. to. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think I think you're right. And I think um, maybe that's the, the hesitancy maybe of the work that I'm doing now where some heads are... Or school leaders will 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 struggle a little bit with it because there's a, that admission of okay I don't know and as educators we 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 we've got expertise and we and we're trained and you know and then we've got young people and children and young people that look up to us because we've got the answers mm-hmm. and we get used to that there's, there's and there is a safety that I think that's why a lot of us work in schools for a long time because actually there's there is something nice about knowing that someone's coming to you for an answer. Mm-hmm. um and you and you carry that expertise and that expertise grows over time so after a while you start to not necessarily believe the press that uh, people uh, you know believe what people are writing about you but you do have a, a sense of, of self and a sense of certainty in your own abilities so when someone then says to you actually have a look at your own abilities please or have you thought about it from this particular mm-hmm. perspective that's a challenge who wants to be challenged not everyone so actually it's easier just to say it no i'm okay i don't necessarily need to look at what it is that you're talking about but if your staff are telling you that um or your stakeholders your community are kind of saying actually we're struggling with this bit of what we have in marks you can school community then as a leader you, you would hope that you would take that on board so i don't know if i answered your question i might have gone off a little um but um, no, yeah. no, I think you made some very good points um, on the topic of school leaders. Now, when it comes to uh, leadership coaching, um, of course, well, you know, most of, if not all, uh, school leaders will have been through some sort of leadership coaching training, mm-hmm. um, many ongoing throughout their career. And, you know, talking with people, certainly in my career, people have like their own sort of, I guess, perceptions to coaching. Some people... Uh, right on board and other people a bit more you know close to it um, some people have good success and, and and whatnot so i just wonder you know what is the key to a successful coaching program uh, with school leaders what 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 is the, the secret to success yeah it's a really good question and one i can really reflect on now as the provider um but when i was in the game as it were um i think the biggest thing that you could do to make sure that your your course will be successful is to acknowledge that you need it um and to make clear time for it because um it was definitely a a challenge for me to even recognize number one i needed to do the training and if i did need to do it yeah okay i'll do it but I want to get through it as quickly as I can so I can get back to the business of, of school. And I think, um, and I mean, that was a few years ago now, so we're talking at least five, six years ago. So it may well be now that climate has changed and that there's more acknowledgement and, and, and a recognition that actually, yeah, this is something that you need to do. So, yeah, maybe, maybe there's there's something in that. But um yeah, I think that that would be the first thing, acknowledgement that you need it, making the time and making sure that your team or yourself, that you give yourself that time, you give yourself that permission to carve that time out of your your day because you are so driven by other things. And then I guess it's about the incremental 
um, piece of work on uh, I, I think about recognising how you acknowledge the learning that's taken place because sometimes it's a, um, I think someone's used it, somebody we both know has used this phrase about, um, you know, it's learn and forget type thing. You do it and then you just kind of go, yeah, I've done that. Yeah. And there's no application. And one of the things as a provider now I do, I always make sure that there is some form of application that you can do go away and do and in some of the courses that i'm i'm, I'm running with schools um we, we do all the learning bit the discussion the talking the factual bit then it's right here is your task and you actually need to go away and do it and then we give time for people to follow up on that so that would be something that i would say that probably would be a, a you know a, a opportunities for them to do um on a regular basis but it all starts with, if you like the culture and that, that setting up and that contracting that says yeah we are going to commit to this we are going to give ourselves ourselves time to do this and to do this as well as we can um but if you go through it thinking oh yeah i've just got to do it um and i'll get through it um or it's just a nice time for me to stop for a minute but then i'm, I'm just going to get back up and then there's there's issues there so yeah that, that's that would be my thoughts i think on that very good. Now, uh, what do you think are the biggest challenges facing schools in these areas where you offer support? What are the biggest the biggest issues, biggest hurdles, the biggest um, yeah. things to overcome? I think um, probably one of the biggest things at the moment probably is, is finances and budgets. I think, you know, people want to do these things, but um, uh, with in the uk there's a big cost of living crisis so you know suddenly you know energy bills are through the roof uh, and they genuinely are through the roof now so um people just don't have the money to do what they used to do so they're trying to find the quickest and most cost effective way to do things which is fine and to a certain extent you know providers like me that's part of our job to be to find those those things but equally um we've all got to eat as well so it's about managing that and, and having that balance i think that's the that's that and time so going back to if you like my earlier answer about making time uh, because there never is enough time in education in schools it's it's like time kind of right runs out time is different when i work now i work for myself i notice the difference that a day is really long and my husband is a teacher and he says to me when he works four days a week and so he always says the day feels different when he's not at work the day feels really different for him because he says oh the day seems slower and more measured um and yes sometimes i think my day isn't slower and isn't more measured so it's really interesting about how the sense of time but schools when i'm in a school i feel it too it's a because the bell's going for the next lesson yeah. and the next thing and recess and whatever so it's, it's it's a constant kind of catch up catch up catch up um but at home there's no bells just a barking dog <laughs> <laughs> Um, now, Audrey, is there anything that you're currently working on that you're really excited about? Oh, everything I do, I'm really excited about. Everything I do, I'm excited about. I think I'm excited um, by the, I suppose, the breadth of work I'm doing, really. I love, I'm, 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 I'm creating, as a, because I tend to do, um, when I work with schools, I will always create what they need. Um, so it, I, I love that the the innovation 
part of me and the creative part of me that, and that has the opportunity to be able to kind of fulfill that. So one of the things I'm, I suppose I'm really loving at the moment is the idea that I'm working, I'm doing some quite targeted people based work um so really getting their voices heard and giving them opportunities to kind of um reflect some of the the, the schools that i'm working with who really want that work because i'm doing when i have a good relationship or i work directly with a school and i'm getting that bespoke piece i love to create that where i'm seeing actually there's a gap there i'm also enjoying the work of helping hesitant schools um kind of step forward so I'm giving them some real breaking it down and I know I'm I'm very much a generalist in this field um I'm not a specialist and that's fine because what I can do is if they want deeper work I signpost them to the to other organizations and um, and places to work with because because I work I work in a range of um uh, of spaces so, so I'm also an associate coach for um, a couple of other um companies and so that's great so what I tend to do is if in my generalist kind of like jack of all trades master of none kind of thing um if that happens no, actually, I'm, 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 a, I'm a master of every trade. Um, I shouldn't do myself down. But the reality is, if I, but genuinely, if, I, if there's an area where actually you want someone who has a real insight into curriculum, for example, I know where to say, right, you need to talk to this person. And I will just, you know, I will let that person know and, and put them in that direction. So, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it, it's, it's all great. I think, yeah, every people-based work, hesitant schools and thinking about a particular area um, and just seeing those breakthroughs. I, I think, yeah, all the work I do, I, I absolutely love. But um, yeah, I think for me, I really want to break into, I suppose the thing I'm really working on is wanting to break through into the online space and thinking again about that cost mm -hmm. thing and thinking about um, how I can provide resources that are online that are applicable to all regardless of where you are based. I think that's that's probably my big thing at the moment. I can imagine that being very valuable for a lot of people. Now, um, how can people get in touch if they want to reach out and, and get in touch? What's the best way to do that? Yes. Well, yes, I'm uh, to you. Use the what the phrase that young people use. I'm all over the socials, um, uh, but actually there are two main ones that I use. I'm on LinkedIn, so you'll find me under my name Audrey Pantelis um, on LinkedIn, um, and you will also find me on Twitter. Um, and Twitter, my handle is um, at Audikins, so you can find me on that. So yeah, um, I am on Instagram, but I uh, yeah, I think probably don't. Yeah, find me on the two that I've said. Those two are, are, are my clearest ones. That you, you you'll see a presence there, and there's there's backstory, and you'll see some posts, and they've got blogs, and of course I have a website, uh, which is www.elevationcc.co.uk. Fantastic, and all that information is on screen and will be in the description, whether you're listening to the podcast or watching on YouTube. But uh, look, Audrey, it's been fantastic to connect and have a chat. And I look forward to uh, perhaps catching up at some point in the future. And yeah. uh, thanks again for being on Education Talks. Thank you. Education Talks is an Ed Events production for the Ed Events community. You can keep up to date with the development of the community by registering on the website at ed.events. <laughs>